Well, good morning. Uh, my name's Helen Jackson. I'm a pioneer lay minister here. Uh, it's great to be with you all uh, talking about Scripture as a weapon. And this is the conclusion of our series about being people of the Word, people who put the Bible at the center of our lives. Uh, last week, David did a great talk on the need to read, remember, and use the Bible to make sense of our lives. And do listen to that on the website if you missed it. Uh, today we go a step further and we think of the Bible not just as a regular practice, but as a weapon, something we use to protect ourselves against evil, against that mounting frustration when you can't get down Tennyson Road and the dark mist comes down. What do we reach for? We need the Bible to help us to stand our ground. So let's start by looking at our... I'm sorry, I'm going to put it on the ground. No disrespect to the Bible. Um, uh, let's start by looking at our passage, which is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. And the words will come up on the screen or uh, do follow it in your own Bible or on your app. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus is tested in the wilderness. When, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you were the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. So, here is Jesus himself, his faith in God being attacked by the devil in the wilderness. And we see straight away that each time the devil tempts him, Jesus responds with scripture. He doesn't get into a debate. It's not his own thoughts against the devils on an even playing field. He responds each time with words of scripture, words whose authority the devil cannot overcome. So let's unpack that a little more. 
you might think this scene is just too fantastic to relate to our lives. But trust me, this scene is one which, as Christians, we face day in and day out. And it's always the same. We're tempted to listen to lies about who we are or who God is. The devil is trying to persuade Jesus that God has abandoned him somehow, that Jesus needs to take charge, seize the initiative. Jesus, you don't need to keep fasting. Just rustle up some miraculous bread. Just throw yourself down from the temple. Surely God will rescue you, and you'll be showing him who's really driving things. If you worship me, I'd make it worth your while. Doing it God's way looks a bit miserable and lonely by comparison. The devil is challenging Jesus' whole identity as a servant of God, challenging who he is, trying to get him to go the devil's way, his own way, to take charge, just as Eve was tempted in the Garden of Eden. The devil's even quoting the Bible himself to support what he's saying. But the Bible's meant to be on our side. So what do we do with that? Before we think about how the Bible helps us to stand our ground against evil, let's just think about what temptation looks like in our lives. We all have weaknesses that make us vulnerable to spiritual attack or attack by the devil, whatever you want to call it. For example, I have a real fear of failure of not being good enough for what I've set out to do. And before I started writing this talk, I thought, I'll just sit on my own and listen to David's talk from last week. And I knew what was going to happen before I started. In no time, I was saying, oh, he's really good. He says he went to Bible club as a child. It's all effortless to him. I'm no good. I just can't do this. And that's how the devil starts to undermine. And then the next thing is, oh, it's probably better if I just step back from the team before Anne has to fire me. It would just be so embarrassing. And then that's one fewer people preaching God's word. What a result for the devil. Another thing is wanting to be liked. It's not a crime to want to be likable, but I know there have been times when I should have spoken out against something, or I had an opportunity to say something about my faith, and I just bottled it rather than risking being unpopular. I don't want people to turn against me. Or all those other things, you know, when we drink more than we should, or we're careless of other people. Do those things sound familiar at all? Maybe it's just me. Because those are the situations I'm talking about. It's those thoughts that come into our heads, or the things we do, usually when we're isolated from other Christians, as Jesus was, that start to make us feel something less than God has made us to be. 
It's really important to be alive to when those thoughts that undermine faith are getting in the way. Start to recognize the patterns and be ready to challenge them. They're in the everyday. We don't need to be at the top of the temple with a man with a pointy tail. We are constantly fighting that tension between allowing our faith to be undermined and living the life that God wants so much for us. Just like it says in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So how does the Bible help us to stand our ground against evil? How can Scripture be a weapon? Jesus used Scripture against every temptation in this passage, and the devil was disarmed even when he tried to use Scripture against Jesus. Um, Have any of you ever watched a programme called Saving Lives at Sea? Yes, yes, hands, hands, yeah, one, (laughs) two. We really love saving lives at sea. Every time, even when they just start the introduction, Tim says every week, he says, isn't this really great? And it's about, it's it's real video um, taken by the RNLI of crews on on lifeboats. They have cameras on their helmets and they take film while they're rescuing people at sea. And it's amazing. It's really exciting. And so you you have some poor lone swimmer or a surfer or someone who's got maybe caught in a current and they're being swept out to sea and they think it's all over. And then this big orange boat comes powering over the sea with all these, this fantastic crew and they know exactly what they're doing and they're really disciplined and they power through the waves and they take enormous risks for their own safety and uh, certainly the ones they show they always rescue the person Uh, and it's just the most amazingly inspiring thing Um, and and it reminded me of this but, but it's not because we're thinking about rescue, because Jesus has already rescued us. That's done. He's given us all we need to be faithful disciples. But while we're waiting for his return, we have to live, we have to survive in this fallen world. We need to arm ourselves against the evil that we're going to encounter along the way. So the thing is that the the swimmer being tossed about in the waves and the lifeboat are in exactly the same conditions. But if you're in those conditions, you want to be in the big orange boat that's designed for those conditions. You don't want to be on your own being thrown about in the waves in fear of your life. You don't ever want to be that person. We need to be equipped to deal with the waves. It's exactly the same metaphor that Paul uses in Ephesians 4.13. We need to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants 
tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. If we're going to thrive or even survive in the choppy sea that is this world, we want to be in the safety of the bright orange boat. So how do we get into that boat? Well, there are two stages. As an absolute baseline, we need to be disciples of Jesus. We need to be conscious of his Holy Spirit living within us. We need to be sold out for him and continually asking those questions. What is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? That is the starting point. That's the step that the devil missed when he was quoting scripture against Jesus. He wasn't listening to what God was actually saying through the passage. He was just making it fit what he wanted. But the danger is that when you're under pressure, you end up with two lots of thinking swirling around in your head and you don't know what to believe. So, is it the devil saying to me, you can't really do this preaching, you just give up, please, this is all rhetorical, don't intervene. Um, you can't do this preaching, you should give up. Or is it God for saying, for goodness sake, when will you listen? Stop preaching now. How do I know which it is? We need something more something that will help us stand our ground against evil. We need an objective truth that we can bring out and set down as a marker against those thoughts that seek to undermine our relationship with God. We need something fixed, certain, authoritative, something we all accept to give us some purchase on where we are. We need a manual. We need the Bible. If you watch Saving Lives at Sea regularly, as we do, one thing that's really impressive is that the crews are really disciplined. They have a manual, which means they're able to deal with any situation. They work together like we do in our Barnabas communities. They have clear rules about how decisions are made. They have protocols to help them in situations that come up a lot. But every situation is different. What they do all the time is try and break down the situation, find out what's familiar, find what's covered by their manual, by the Bible, because they know where they are with that. They're trained that if the casualty goes behind the boat, you have to put the new engine in neutral straight away. If a really big wave is coming, they stop trying to pick up the casualty and they hold on so that when the wave is passed, they can go back to what they're trying to do. If you watch it as much as we do, you actually learn the whole manual. And, and it's second nature. It's absolutely second nature to the crew to take those principles and they apply them without argument, without discussion. So the gaps they have to fill in are as small as possible. And we can use the Bible in the same way. 
That's why Jesus himself relied on scripture in our passage. It helps us on our own or as we do life together in our communities to find something familiar, something we can rely on to guide us in the midst of chaos and darkness and challenge. So if someone has hurt us and we're feeling really angry and wounded and crushed, we can start with Psalm 23. As David was saying last week, if you don't know any Psalms, learn that one. It reminds us that God loves and cares for us, that we need fear no evil, that God's rod and staff will comfort us. God wants to honor us always. But we also have John 9:12, love one another as I have loved you. And we have Matthew 18, 22. Forgive your brother, not seven times, but 77 times. And you might say, I just, I just can't do that. That's pie in the sky. That's unreal. I can't imagine getting to that place. So go back to Psalm 23. Receive that comfort from God. Know that he wants to anoint your head with oil, to honor you. He wants you to be with him forever. But you know then in your heart the direction of travel that God wants you to take. You know where God wants to help you to go. And it's not so much for the other person, it's for you because God wants you to be healed and to have life in all its fullness. John Mark Comer expands very helpfully on this whole area in his book, Live No Lies. Uh, Anne, you've got a copy. Yes, ask Anne. It's called Live No Lies. He talks about fighting evil with spirit and truth. Our relationship with God through the Holy Spirit bolstered with the truth of the Bible. Thank you. It's like having a well-designed boat in rough seas. And of course, like the RNLI, it gives us a safe place from which we can reach out so that others who are lost in the waves can also be saved. It's important before we finish to go back to where we started, to David's encouragement last week to read, remember, and use the Bible. If spirit and truth is like a well-designed boat, you can't just wait until the gales come. You have to open the instruction manual before that. You need to train. Yes, you need to have opened the Bible in advance. There is no substitute for reading the Bible regularly. And keeping a journal or a note of the verses that are significant to you. I read the Bible on my phone and I screenshot verses and keep them in an album so I can go back to them. And if you're feeling discouraged, just Google. 
Ask Google for verses about discouragement or hope or love or loneliness, and it always gives you a long list. I can't tell you how many times I Googled when I was preparing this. John Mark Coomer draws all of this area of spiritual practice together. He suggests you, you make a list of your weaknesses, those areas where you know you will face spiritual challenge, and then next to them, write down the verses which help so that you're battle-ready. It really is well worth reading. So let's finish with some great words of encouragement from Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. And just to show that spiritual attack is continuous, the last page of my talk isn't there, so I will read them from here. Hang on. <laughs> Saying, would you like to update your offline Bible? No. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Ephesians 6, I'm going to read the Bible. Because it's great, Ephesians. Come on. It's gone, it's gone. Come on. Here we are. Thank you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and when you have done everything, to stand. Amen.